Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go. Well, well, here we go, here we go. What's up, Kyle? Not much, man. Not much, Chris. I never know how to fade the music out. Yeah. Do you just cut it off like you I did? Cut it off. Or do you just fade it? Do you let it play for a few like thirty seconds, twenty seconds? What's the proper protocol? I guess it's just the spirit of the moment, you know. Whenever I listen to Daniel Torden's podcast, he, he always does a great job of fading in the music right at, during his like you know epilogue or whatever right at the end. Yeah. He fades it in. And then once he stops talking, he fades it out. Guy's an artiste. It's perfect. Production value. Yep. Daniel Torridan, the Onion Unlimited podcast. The Onion Unlimited. Check it out if you don't. I, I was listening to his podcast uh, last week. Um, I, I'm not caught up. He had some stuff he did about uh, the Queen's death, and I was like, you know, I'm pretty... Um, in- I, was, I, I will listen to that. Yeah, I'm pretty interested to hear what a British citizen... Um, wait, they don't call them citizens. What do they call them? Uh, I didn't know subject, a British subject, oh, okay. right? Uh, what a British subject thinks um, today about that whole thing, and like, I wonder what kind of impact the death of the Queen has on just a regular person over there. Yeah, and if it's like the way the tabloids make it out here, like the way this you know celebrity news is here, is it something like that? Is it something different? <clears throat> we didn't really talk about the Queen at all. No, um, and the fact that we didn't pretty much reflects how I feel about the mm-hmm, queen mm-hmm. and the royal family in general. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, so Americans who get, like, all, like, super into the royal family and, like, cry when the queen dies yeah, and yeah, shit. Like, yeah. you people are retarded. My wife works with a lady like that. Oh, my goodness. I just don't understand that at all. Like when the, like when the little princes were born, just, like, a fucking big deal, man. Yeah. It's, these... It's very weird to me that that an American would care. Yeah. Um, there are some Americans who are like, I don't understand why they, I don't understand why the English people still give a shit about the, the royals. Um, and I, from like my American point of view, I agree. That being said, I'm not American. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I, that's not my culture. That is their culture, you know? Um, and I think that, they uh they bring in a lot of money to the country too, from what I understand, like How? tourism, uh-huh. tourism stuff. People want people want to go see the Queen. People want to go see Buckingham Palace and yeah, but they could see Buckingham Palace without a monarch. I guess that's true. Yeah, but would it would it still be Buckingham Palace? That's a good question. But I mean, historically, yeah, it would be like going to see a, a building that's preserved. You know, yeah, from yeah. the past, it's like this is where kings used to live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't you know. Go to, you go to like, um, you know, 
someplace in Rome and you're not it's not like Marcus Aurelius stood right although he probably he might have stood right there yeah <laughs> uh, I don't know man hey this is this is something why you're talking about monarchy that I want to run by it seems to me like um, maintaining a monarchy when the monarchy doesn't have political power um, what do they call that um there's a word for that, where the 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 role, the it's a symbolic role that the monarchy plays in the culture. It's not a political role. Um, that's my understanding. I mean, obviously, the royal family has tons of money, and so that gives you political influence. influence yeah. But they don't have any direct role in legislation, or you know, I whatever. If they're allowed to, like, donate to polit- politicians, it's a good question. We should ask. We should make a list of questions for Daniel Tord and yeah. just say we need you. We need you to answer all these questions about being English. <laughs> we'll just call the episode Things to Know About Being English. Things to Know About Being English. There's um, a lot of things that I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know. Yeah. And I there's cultural differences, the subtle ones. I don't know why they're so appealing to me, but I just so joyful. It's so much joy to me when I see something that's a little different, but it's just like something I already know. Yeah. You know, that's so I don't know what it is, the appeal about other cultures, but it's like, oh look, you know. They're, they're they well, I can't think of it. They go to the bar just like we do. Only they drink their beer warm. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like there is something weird about. I mean, I I'm I agree with you with everything you just said. I'm interested in that kind of stuff too. But there's something particularly weird about the fact that people in England have their own customs and stuff like that, but they speak the same language that we do. You know, like. They're like foreign people, you yeah. know, but oh, yeah. we just happen to speak the same language as they do. It is interesting. We have more in common than just the language, but yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting. Yeah, like, are we going to be seen like the? Is America going to be seen as the as the Rome and the UK as as Greece? You know, it's like we borrowed we borrowed all their gods and we borrowed all their customs and we pretend like we're like we're continuing where they left off, but we're completely different people. <laughs> you know, we just we're just borrowing it. Yeah. But this hold on, I'm not done. I'm not. I haven't got to my question about monarchy yet. <coughs> okay. So you have a symbolic monarchy, and it just hangs on there, and nobody really knows why. Why do we keep them around? You know, why do we keep them around? Why are we still doing this? You know, pony show. What's the phrase? Dog and pony. Dog show. and pony show. You dog face <laughs> pony soldier. You know what that is? Uh-uh. No, it's nothing. Don't get me off track yet. I won't. Um, what if it becomes valuable to have a symbolic monarchy? In this scenario, you have a political political unrest, social unrest. You have a catastrophic Armageddon-type scenario. The government falls apart. There's still a government. We still have a king. We still have a queen. So even if the parliament falls apart and the Reichstag gets invaded by the fucking bourgeoisie, we still, still have a king sitting on the throne. It's like, all right, guys, you know yeah. what we said about being symbolic? Shut the fuck up. You're my vassals again. You know, yeah. we need to have law and order. So maybe it has a benefit in that way. That's I I don't hate that. To it's kind of brilliant. It's yeah. kind of brilliant. <clears throat> it's like surprisingly, I'm not like. Uh, I think if you would have run that by me, you know, three years ago, two years ago, I would have been like, "Nah, man, that sounds <laughs> terrible." But well, now I'm like. <laughs> that could work. <laughs> I, I, I see it like this, man. I, I see it like if things get bad enough where representative government or democratic rule doesn't work anymore, then the only thing that will work is a 
I don't want to say dictator, but an authoritarian. You can't challenge it yeah. because that's the thing. You can't challenge a monarchy. And it used to be because it was the divine right to rule. You can never challenge the monarch because he was born and God, and from the moment he was born, God had a marked to rule the people, you know? And it's like, even if a king sucks in the short term, like, you know, they're raping your women and they're overtaxing you and stuff like that, they're, they're still chosen by God. So we have to get past these this rough patch to get to the 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 payoff to get to the reason why God wanted you to be king. You can never overthrow a monarch, you know, because they were christened by the fucking Lord to rule. But that that doesn't have the same appeal. It doesn't have the same power anymore to convince people. You know what I mean? So like if you had a monarchy in this day and age when people don't believe in God anymore and divine right to rule sounds like bullshit, you know, I don't know how long a monarch can stay in power. Now, a totalitarian dictator with a, with the army at his disposal is different, I guess. But just on the laurels of having a crown and having blue blood, you know, mm-hmm. that's not enough anymore. Yeah, true that it's not enough anymore. Um, you may, like that used to be <clears throat> being chosen by God and having the blood of you know that that family line was what decided it back then. What would decide it today? What would be what we based our king? Well, <laughs> the principles we like, you know, wanted our king to embody. What would they be? Oh, so this isn't an ideal situation. No, you no, think, this is today. This is well, what it, would that it, be today? If, well, it would be an it would be an oligarchy aristocracy type of thing. It would still be a blue blood thing, but it's not going to be um, packaged that way. It's going to be the elites. It's going to be the uh, the wealthy, the highly educated, the f- important families, you know, yeah. uh, it'll just break right back down into that, I think. Yep. And then if they, if we need to have a king, we would just, we would just rise up either the most powerful or the most liked uh, one of the group with the most influence. And he just shuffles up to the top of the hierarchy. He becomes king oligarch. And then we have our very own red, white, and blue Putin. You know what I mean? Red, white, and blueton. Red, white, and blueton. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, Yeah, maybe. I mean, do you think... I would like to know... What am I trying to say? Like, I would like to see a TV show like House of Cards, but of Putin coming up. Like, the shit that he was doing to come to to power. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Did you watch House of Cards? Yeah. So... You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, man. The first couple, the first the first couple of seasons of that show were just like you're on the edge of your fucking seat, man. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. Then you found out that. Then uh, you found out that um, what's her face couldn't carry the show by herself. Uh, yeah, Robin. Robin found out that uh, old the space dog was uh, diddling kids. Something. Well, not kids, but he was doing inappropriate things. Yeah, he's some kind of a creeper. And Ro- Robin White, as good as she is, could not yeah. carry that show on yeah. her own. I mean, you know, say what you will about the the pervert, but uh, he, he's a good actor. He, yeah. He's like a strong, you know, on screen, he carries a lot of weight. Maybe we should take all of those um, fallen from grace actors and put them together in one super movie, like the... Uh, like the traveling Wilburys, we'll put them together in a super movie. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be fucking um, Mel Gibson. <coughs> Hell yeah! Well, who, who else is in this? I don't know. Mel Gibson's disgraced, like my favorite dude. Disgraced though. actors, um, but awesome ones. 
disgraced actors. So, uh, I mean, I feel like we should probably throw Randy, Shia LaBeouf. Randy Quaid in there. <laughs> Randy Quaid? Yeah. This sounds like a great movie. Does it? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you said it doesn't. I was like, this sounds good to me. No, absolutely. Ooh, um, wait a minute. So Shia LaBeouf, Randy Quaid, and who was the first one? Oh, God. Don't ask me questions like that. You know my condition. You know the condition my condition is in. Yeah, that's true. It's oh, a good song. Yep. Um, what else about the monarchy? Anything? Um, I, yeah, no, basically, I just think that, um, like, Americans who are super into it are very weird. But I also think that Americans who are, <clears throat> like, super anti it are very weird, too. What if... What if we had allowed the family of Jacques Cousteau, George Washington, damn it, to be symbolic, damn it, to be symbolic leaders, you know, of the United States, so that we had this royal lineage from Washington, yeah, and there was maybe they, <laughs> maybe they have a wing of the White House they live in or something, like a secret wing, yeah, because that's one of the criticisms of the United States is that we don't have a prime minister. That, we, that the political power and the um, symbolic power are combined into one person in the United States, we call the president. But in the UK, I can't. I don't know if it's a chancellor, but there's somebody else apart from the prime minister that shares the power with the prime minister. So that one of those roles is more of a public facing role, and the other role is more of a like uh, in the weeds, you know, you know. Behind the Taking behind the, the veil kind of arrows. kind of role, yeah, um, and that it, that's one of the ways we're criticized because we have because our president has to be both popular and competent, and because that doesn't exist exactly, yeah. we just favor popular, yeah. you know, and that's a terrible thing. You're sacrificing efficient leaders, you know, effective leaders because you'd rather have somebody pretty, well spoken, you know, articulate, presidential, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know how big of a problem it is, but it seems like it's probably a pretty big problem. Yeah, I think it's definitely had a negative effect. <clears throat> excuse me, a negative effect over, you know, the course of our nation. Um, it does. See, I I feel like the early presidents were bound to be more capable, um, and I think that some modern presidents are obviously very skilled in certain things. Um, but I wonder, like, where the real drop-off started happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, where in time um, that that drop-off between the presidents being, you know, reasonably impressive people to... Well, I mean, I guess they're still... Donald Trump is a reasonably impressive person. Um, is Biden... I don't think so. Um, was I, was Biden ever? Well, I mean, I I don't think so. But I don't think that Biden is a remarkable politician or a remarkable person. Um, but I don't. But I'm speaking a little bit out of school in the sense that I don't. I, you know, I don't know his history deeply um, pre presidential run, pre yeah. pre pre Obama. You know, years. Yeah, I would say that. Joe Biden is an ex, uh, a remarkable politician. I would say that he is. I mean, he's the president of the United States. That's like the pinnacle. Um, and yeah, he, I suppose. And he existed in it through, like it was his career, it was his entire career. Yeah. So I would say that he's definitely an above average politician. 
Yeah, it's hard for me to like uh, come at that question honestly because I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, because the idea of a successful politician, meaning someone who successfully navigated that career for thirty years, is the most disgraceful thing I can think of. <laughs> the, the fact that you would want to, you know, avoid real work and get good at manipulation and dealing and wheeling and spend dedicate your entire life to making more money than you should for doing a, a job that you've managed to corrupt worse than it was when you got there it's a it's a fat, it's to call that success is very hard for me yeah but the you do see the aspect of success yeah, in it too yeah, right yeah yeah i do uh if you're if if joe biden is playing a cynical game he's doing a very good job you know, yeah. Um, the fact that the, I mean, the fact that he ran he for is. ran for president, you know, decades ago, shows that he's had the ambition to you to want to be president, mm-hmm. and failed then, and some say failed this time. You know, some say. there's some say. Although he is the president, so yeah, he didn't fail. Yeah. Did you? Uh, you probably didn't hear uh, Michael Moore on uh, Bill Maher's show. Did you see that clip? Just popped in my head. It's unrelated. No, I don't think so. So Bill Bill Mars had some really interesting. Yeah, he's been lines a lately. Turn, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he's recognizing that the left has is gone too far, and then he's pointing it out as being one of the lefties that people on the left trust t- to you know be a guiding light. I guess yeah. so. It's it's effective. But he, so he had Michael Moore on a show, and Michael Moore went on this tirade about. Um, so Something he, stupid as fuck. He asked him about, I think he asked him about the upcoming elections. And uh, so he just went on this absolute tirade about how he thinks that. Uh, Big fat angry guy. Yeah, he, he thinks that uh, the left, the, the, um, uh, the progressives and the lefties are going to come out and vote um, like crazy. And, uh, it, it, you know, that it's going to be a landslide victory for the. <laughs> but he said some shit, man. He said. Um, he he brought up instances where I think he's referenced Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales, and he referenced some other place where the left, well, the the voters voted out every conservative member of parliament, every single one, and they had periods of time where the left, the party, controlled the legislative process, and he he talked about that like it was a victory, and that. That was a, that was a possibility with this election, and that he kept using the word traitors to talk about Republicans. So he just was going on and on and on. And Bill Maher said, "Fuck, man." Bill Maher said, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> did he? Yeah, he nice. Did. Yeah, he did. That's great. Yeah, I got. I'm gonna have to watch that. Yeah, it was strange. It's strange liking Bill Maher. Um, it's not strange for me liking Bill Maher. I've had Bill Maher has, you know over the course of his career been both incredibly gay and incredibly awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but I, I'm not surprised when Bill Maher says something I like at this point, basically. Yeah. Well, he's, 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 you know, he's getting older in years and I think the older you get, the more context you see, the more like, um, realistic you get because you've seen it all before. You, you're less, you're the least idealistic you're ever going to be at the, the latter stages of your life, and it makes you more practical, and it makes you less likely to, to, you know, get overwhelmed by your ideology, and and that's something that Bill Maher has been guilty of. Sure, you know, so it's refreshing. As have many people. As have I, you know. Sure. 
Not me. Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you ever watch Bill Maher's podcast? Mm, no, I should probably. Depending, no, does he does he does, does he do either. interviews or is it mon- like is it monologues? It's it's like a more like a Rogan kind of conversation gotcha. with someone. Yeah, um, it's not great. It's not good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like I said, I like Bomar. I'm not trying to shit on the guy, but it's just not that interesting. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it is. It's just not for me. Um, it's kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. Like it's you watch it. And it's definitely, oh, this is what, like, a 70-year-old dude thinks is cool, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, that's funny. So, I mean, there are definitely funny things about it. This one, he had this one lady on. Her name was Bella Thorne. Do you know who that is? Doesn't immediately come to mind. She's an actress. I think she had an OnlyFans. She might still, I don't know. But um, she's, like, one of these hyper-feminist, woke kind of people you yeah, know yep and showing her titties on OnlyFans. i think so yeah it's a strange kind of feminist we have now yeah so i didn't mean to get you off track no Go no ahead. you're that doesn't take me off track that's i mean that's true it's fair that is true but they, yeah that is like feminism now you know it's, it's so like weird. i can do what i want i yeah. can i can take my titties out in public <laughs> in front of children if i want to when did feminism become cartman yeah that's crazy i can do it at well <laughs> that's a good one um <laughs> Yeah. So wait a minute. Why you did take me off track? But you talked about the actress, this particular actress, for some reason. What was her name? Oh yeah, she was on uh, Bill Maher's thing. Oh yeah. It's just super awkward, man. It's like uh, Bill Maher is again like trying to be cool, and he's like seventy. He's a dinosaur, you know. Like mm-hmm. he's not really cool. He thinks he's cool still, but he's just fucking old, man. Yeah. Like he's uh. He's got more Biden going on than I think he's aware of. Oh. Uh, not not like in terms of being retarded, but in terms of being old. Being out of touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he's more in touch than like my gra- my grandparents were, but he's still like, I'm telling you, just watch it, man. Listen, I, I understand the desire to want to remain in touch. I understand. I, I understand the desire to want to continue to be perceived as hip you know to some degree even as you get older uh part part of that is like a reaction just to a fear of death and getting older and and you know being isolated because that's what happens as you get older you know it's like at some point most of your friends are going to be dead and then you're going to be really fucking isolated and that's gonna and you know what i mean then you're gonna die alone uh shit where was it going with this i don't know that's depressing sorry man um oh i i I know i was trying to circle around to um I can't think of the actor's name. Um, What's he been in? He was in um, the Good Place. the the older The older fellow. I don't know what the God. fuck that is. He was in. Uh, oh come on. Um, he was in Cheers. He was the bartender. Ted uh, Danson. Ted Danson. Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay. Come. How are you going to come at me with the Good Hot Wife or whatever the, the fuck you've been talking place? about? Just because it's more recent. Um, okay, okay. So uh, anyway, bro. Um, Ted Danson. If you see him now, like if you see him in commercials. The way he dresses and presents himself, but also if you see him in uh, that show he did on HBO, Showtime with um, a Dude, Jewish. I didn't know he had done anything since Jewish Cheers. Dude, he did a really, a really good, charming little show called uh, Charming, called Bored to Death. 
bored to death. I think I have heard of that. It's got Jason Schwartzman. I th- not one of those. Yeah, well, okay. I think that's his name. Anyway, so, he's I was going to say I thought Ted Danson was dead, but no, I, I guess I did know he point was alive. Is, point is, Ted Danson does this. He does the old cool guy thing correctly, and I'll tell you how he does it. He's always wearing these super nice suits, right? Yeah. His hair is always, he's always got a fresh haircut and a clean shave. And he wears these kind of modern glasses. It's like a small little touch of modern, but he's, but he's embracing this, this old guy thing where he's wearing a suit all the time. It just reminds me of my own, my own grandpa. So he's always, he's always dressed to the nines, but he doesn't use slang. He doesn't try to talk about shit that's not in his realm. He tries to dominate the realm of being an old man. And he's kind of a womanizer, especially in that Bored to Death show. Some people might not think that's, uh, you know, uh, a positive character trait, but it, it makes him cool because he's still suave, you know, yeah. even though he's an old man. But he's only going after old chicks. It's not like he's trying to, you know. He's going after old chicks, huh? Like Mary Steenburgen. Okay. But I would go after Mary Steenburgen, for Christ's sake. That lady holds, that lady held up tremendously. Yeah, tremendously. She's a she's a pretty lady, folks. Folks, look up Mary Steenburgen right now. She's fucking. Uh, look, go, Wikipedia her, see how old she is, and just look look at pictures of her. She she's whole and not plastic surgery, as far as I can tell. I would be surprised though. I mean, she's got those good Jewish jeans, man. Good Jewish jeans. Name like Steenburgen? You think? <laughs> you think she's Jewish? Yeah, I bet you. I don't know, man. I bet you a dime to a dollar, which is a phrase my parents used to say. Hey, you familiar with that one? I've heard that one, yeah. Bet you a dime to a dollar. It's funny that you would use that 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 saying in terms with a person named geez. Steenbergen. I think that was a Freudian. It must have been a Freudian thing. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. Dime to a dollar. Dime to a dollar. Um... What were we talking about? Oh, Mary Steenberg. We're talking about uh, the the old the Biden being old and tr- and coming off his out of touch and Bill Maher similarly, and then we were talking about uh, uh, Ted Danson and yeah, there you go. Okay, that's how we got where we are. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have anything else to say about that. <laughs> Who else is an old guy that you think is like doing it right? Because there's doing like some because right. there's like some tough guys. You I know, I don't think that you should be doing it. Anymore when you're that old, you know? Yeah. I think but, that you but should. But isn't that doing it, though? It's a way of doing it. I to, guess that's true. To not. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But that's one of the most charming thing about old men is that at some point they stop giving a shit at all. And they'll say whatever they want and they'll do whatever they want. Yeah. And they'll be inappropriate and they'll, and they'll continue to be from their era in the modern world and when it's no longer accepted. And that's so cool, man. That it's so cool, cool when you see it. Yeah, yeah. Like. Pinch a waitress's ass, you know? <laughs> yeah, like pinch a waitress's ass. You know, my, um, oh, damn, I just had a good example of this and it's gone. Oh, I was listening to Rogan's podcast. Oh, yeah? And he said he and Dave Chappelle went to go see uh, uh, the Gennady Golovkin and uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, match. Yeah. And they sat third third row back from the, uh, from the ring, great seats, and... They sit down in their seats, and Dave Chappelle just lights up a cigarette. Dave just Chappelle, dude. Starts smoking a cigarette in, right indoors. And uh, <laughs> this is here, either here nor there. The thing about smoking cigarettes is what I mean about an old school guy. So he used to be able to smoke indoors. And this guy, he's just, you know, he's that. just gonna sm- he's just gonna do it. Um, he said that um, they were approached by employee, an employee of the venue. And said, "These aren't your seats. <laughs> you got to move." 
And Joe said, Dave Chappelle looks up at the guy and he goes, I'm Dave Chappelle. Look at a move. I'm Dave Chappelle. That's funny. That's pretty good. Eventually, they, they, they did get him to move, but yeah. they got him to move by offering them the ringside. They brought him right up to the ring. Yeah. All right. And uh, that's pretty cool. Man. That is pretty cool. It'd be way more cool if it was just a rando person that got to sit ringside and not Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan, but, you know, good for them. Yeah, good for them. They, you know, they could have bought those seats if they mm-hmm. wanted to. Um, but, you know, I get it. Uh, you know, Dave Chappelle is uh, an Ohio, an Ohioite. Yellow Springs. Is that what it is? Yeah. Ohioanian. Yeah, that's the one. Quinian. Quinians. Or a bunch of Quinians. Um, yeah, didn't he, doesn't he have a comedy club out there? I don't know. I think, I think he bought and runs a comedy club now. That's cool. And he lives on, he lives like on a farm. I know Joe's doing that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Would you uh, be interested in taking a trip to Austin? For what? I don't know. Just to take a trip to Austin. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if, I mean, I would love to go to Texas, I guess. I've never been. Yeah. I would love to go to Texas. I don't know if, I don't know if Austin would be the place I would pick. Yeah. Same here. That's why I asked. But it's a big place. Yeah. I mean, I would like to go to Austin. I'm sure if I went to Austin, I would enjoy being in Austin. Um, I'd like to go to Mexico. Mexico is how. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me. I, I, uh, rather than going to Tejas, I'd rather go to Mexico. Yeah. No, no, but it would be cool if there was any place that I like. If there was any place I knew I could go, where it was, where you could have an authentic experience in Mexico and it's safe. And I don't think that exists. You know, yeah. no, I, w- I want to go to a little fucking pueblo out there someplace. Yeah. With so, like a couple of hundred people and eat fucking grandma's f- corn tortillas and drink to and drink tequila right out of the cactus. However, it works. I don't know how it works. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Um, I think that you can do that. Uh, I think um, there are people who are moving to Mexico. Um, there was, You ever listen to Lions of Liberty? No. I never put you onto that podcast. Nope. This guy, Mark Clare, he used to live in California, uh, moved to Mexico for... I, he didn't end up staying there. He ended up moving to Florida, I think. But uh, he was down in Mexico for a long while. Um, if I could have some way of making income that I didn't have to like work down in Mexico like I could make it online or something yeah. uh, I wouldn't have I think that'd be pretty sweet yeah if I was if I didn't have kids and I could work from home I would I would totally live other places just yeah. for stretches of time I'd be like um, Stephen King I th- I'm pretty sure that's what he did he would, yeah. he'll just go someplace and write a novel you know you know what is appealing about Mexico is yes. that well? What what do you think it is? Um, great weather. Well, yeah. Beautiful women. Yeah. Um, everyone loves Mexican food. I do love Mexican food. So what? What more could you need? That's true. Those are all great points. Well, what else? Um, what I was gonna say was that, you know, I think that you have maybe fewer rights. Then not even maybe you definitely have fewer rights in Mexico than you do as a citizen of the United States, but you also have a government that is nowhere near as powerful and has nowhere near the capability to fuck with you. I mean, they could fuck with you, yeah, but not to the level that we can, you know, here in the United States that we can. Um, I, I feel like if you just, I mean. 
this is a weird thing to say, I guess, um, just coming from the, you know, the tradition that I've come from, but I think I would be able to live a kind of life that I'm just like, keep my head down. Yeah, the things that I want, you're not going, they're not even going to be like angry at me for, you know? So just like, let me do whatever, you know, let me do whatever I want in Mexico. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like they're not going to kid the, the, the Mexican government isn't going to care about me being down there, you know, growing tobacco. No, I don't see why they would with your Mexican wife making corn tortillas for you. I would not have a Mexican wife. <sighs> I would not have a Mexican wife. It's because don't you say are that, racist. No, it's because of Chelsea, dude. I can, I mean, I can't believe that you would even insinuate <laughs> that I'm racist. <laughs> you son of and, a bitch. And apparently Chelsea's racist too. If she would have a problem with you having a Mexican wife. Yeah. That's a step too far. I'm... So if if you're in a relationship with someone and she won't let you like have uh, another wife, it's because she's racist. Well, if that wife is another race, yes. Yeah, yeah. Of Absolutely. course. Absolutely. That's, that's like that's, the obvious reason. That's the obvious reason. Yeah, okay. yeah. And shame on her. Boom. <laughs> we figured that out. But that's where the Mexico is where the um the, the Romneys went, right, to have a bunch of wives? Yeah. They were like, let's go to yeah. Mexico. I hear they have beautiful women there and corn tortillas. Yeah, all the things that you just said, you're like, I love Mexican food. <laughs> Listen, man. Frijoles? What are you talking about? Are you kidding me? What, you, <laughs> what you're talking about? But Mexico sounds sounds nice. I, I mean, honestly, apart from Mexico City having so many people in it. Um, no, I don't want to live in Mexico No, City. definitely not. Uh, if you had a smaller government and a beautiful place with a lot of potential, Mexico fits the bill. The cartels are a problem because they bring a, an extra layer of power and manipulation uh, to the citizenry. But citizenry, how do you say citizenry in Me in Spanish? I don't know, man. <laughs> Listen, um, you could remove that obstacle by making the cartels legitimate businesses, yeah, and taxing them and bringing them into the fold and taking away all their weapons and and their need to protect themselves that way. Right, you make them legitimate. They don't have to fucking shoot anybody anymore. I guess, yeah. Then you can go to Mexico, and it's not so dangerous, right? Of course, there's still you know the problem of poverty and people get kidnapped and shit and all that. But uh, I don't know how often that that you know that doesn't happen all that often. But it did happen to that chick, and oh wait, no, I think her husband killed her. But it does happen though, right? Happens. Like, like people get into a cab in Brazil, and the cab driver's like. It's just you back there. You don't have a gun. I'm gonna yeah, fucking harvest your organs. <laughs> We're gonna go to the ATM and you're gonna you're gonna empty the wallet. Oh man, that'd be way worse if they harvested their organs. Oh, yeah, but what if they made them go to the ATM first? <laughs> they Give me all your money and your kidneys. Give me all your money. Yeah, that's fucking funny. Oh boy, I just clapped into the microphone. Uh, it's yeah. probably not a great idea. Let so, people know. Sometimes when I laugh, I. I'll give it just one clap to like if, to let you know how much I enjoyed that. Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> uh, who's the what's the last stand up comic you saw? <sighs> live or on live. television? Yeah. Live. Um. Uh, it might have been Steve Renazizi. Steve Renazizi. Yeah. For me, it was, I believe, Ari Shafir. Wait, did, what, who did you and oh, I go see? Yeah, maybe that was uh, yeah Ari Shafir. That was Ari. That was the last yeah. one I went to. Okay. I forgot about that. Sorry about that, Ari. Shout out to uh, shout out to Ari. You fucking anti semite. No, oh, God, about, I forgot about him. That must be. Well, we're leveling accusations. Yeah, while episode. we're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Ari was funny. Yeah, Ari was Ari's always funny. Kind of a dick, but you know. 
<clears throat> so I was listening to Rogan. Let me see if I can tell you who he was talking to. Might still be on here. Joe. Oh Rogan. no! They have, I listened to John him, his, his conversation with John Peters. That's just been, been pretty interesting so I, far. I don't know who John Peters is. He's a um, Hollywood film producer, and he 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 did Caddyshack, he did Batman, he did a whole bunch of whole bunch of things. Okay. Um. So I haven't been listening to much Rogan recently. Brigham Brigham Bueller, yeah, Brigham Bueller is the most recent episode of Joe Rogan. Um, he, this guy, this guy was a Brigham. F- yeah, like Brigham Young. No, no, no. Brigham is not Bring- the, the young young guy. Brigham. Brigham is that B R I G H A M. Same same guy. Same name. I mean, not same guy. Brig. Brigham. Brigham. Okay. So anyway, the guy used I'm to be trying to know. You know, the guy used to be a pharmaceutical sales rep. Yeah, you're saying weird, you're saying words weird today. Pharmaceutical. You're saying all kinds of words weird today. <laughs> Sales rep, and uh, he was just telling Joe about like the inside, about all that, about how the ph- drugs. How, how the pharmaceutical companies changed their marketing strategies from having like pharmacists contacting doctors to talk about new drugs to having like beautiful young salespeople with no experience doing it, and then creating this industry. You know how it is now, where they they have the, these really intense training sessions to learn all everything they need to learn about the drugs. Um, it's a cutthroat industry. It's hundred percent commissioned. You know, it's like just fucking intense. Um, and there's so much fuckery involved, you know, so much fuckery about, you know, how they're, how they're presenting the drugs. Um, the fact that they push them, even though they, they have risks or they're, they're not as good as other drugs, how, how some crazy, big percentage of the new drugs that get approved don't go through the entire research and development process that you think they do, where they go through the FDA and they do double blind tests and, um, you know, risks assessments and all that. Um, what happens is if there's another drug on the market that has already been through the process and you're producing a drug that is uh, similar, like substantially similar, you can use the... Um, you can use the accreditation of the of the drug that's similar to avoid having to do wow. the whole pro. And he said, it, when it was originally proposed, they thought about ten percent of the drugs were going to get approved that way. It's ninety two percent of the, it's like some super super that's high insane. number of these drugs. It's crazy. The reason I bring that up is because it's. It's crazy, and that episode that episode was really interesting. And uh, I, if you guys, if this at all sounds interesting to you, check it out. He talks about um, he talks about the uh, you know like the lawsuits and the and the risks like with surrounding um, opiates and like just some of that like um, newsworthy shit that's happened in the past. He he gets into that. It's pretty interesting. The reason I bring him this up is because there's another story, and I told you about it. I think on Friday. It's another story that's uh, came out. I've only seen it on the Daily Wire. I haven't seen it anywhere else. But these videos that that um, that they found from uh, Vanderbilt in Tennessee, from a um, university system there, ta- uh, talking about how much money is involved with transgender surgeries, and um, the videos are pretty damning. There's two clips. One of them is the lady. Uh, up at a podium talking to all of the doctors and employees there about the strategy surrounding these transgender surgeries. 
And another, and another one is this little old lady. She looks like Dolores Umbridge, little old lady um, at a podium talking about how the people who have any conscientious objections to their policies and stances on transgendered surgeries should find some other other place to work. And uh, I, anyway, I wanted to play this video for you of, okay. the, of the lady talking about how profitable it is, and just the what. Just listen to the way it, she makes it out. Remember, she's talking to an audience, an, an auditorium full of doctors and employees of the hospital. All right, here we go. Affordable Care Act. Insurance cover, carriers are mandated to cover medical expenses for trans folks. Um, some of our BUMC financial folks in, 20, in August of 20, I'm sorry, October of 2016, sorry, a couple of years ago, put down some costs of how much money we think each patient would bring in. And this is only including top surgery. This isn't including any bottom surgery. And um, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. Um, so female to male chest reconstruction can bring in $40,000. A patient just on routine hormone treatment, who I'm only seeing a few times a year, can bring in several thousand dollars that requires a lot of visits and labs. It actually makes money for the hospital. Now these I got from the internet, um, but it's from uh, the Philadelphia Center for Transgender Surgery, which has um, does a lot of um, surgery for patients. And I just want to give you an idea of how much these bottom surgeries are making. And this is, I think this has to be an underestimate. Uh, this is for a vaginoplasty. They're saying, they're quoting roughly around $20,000 for a vaginoplasty, but that doesn't include your hospital stay. That doesn't include your post-op visits. That doesn't include um, your anesthesia, your OR. So I would think that this has to be a gross underestimate. I think that's just like the surgeon's um, piece of it, which anybody who's ever been in the hospital knows that that's like 10% of it. Um, and then the female to male bottom surgeries, these are huge money makers. Again, I think this has to be an underestimate that they're quoting around $20,000 for a phalloplasty. There's been different things that I've read that said it could be up to $100,000. Um, Dr. Winokur, who's our surgeon, says that there's entire clinics where the entire clinic is supported just by their phalloplasties, and that is like a fraction of the surgeries that they're doing. These surgeries are labor-intensive, they require a lot of follow-ups, they require a lot of OR time, and they make money. They make money for the hospital. They make money. They make money for the hospital, Kyle. Who is this lady again? Uh, she is... Let's see. Uh, I mean... Dr. Shane, Shana Taylor is her name. And she's our, her argument is that she's arguing for? Yeah, she's, yeah, she's explaining how. Man, she's doing a terrible job. Jesus. Yeah, so I don't know what's, what stands out to you the most about that. Um, what stands out the most to me about uh, it? Yeah. Um, about what she said, about her attitude about it, about the amount of money that, that they can make from these surgeries. And what, I mean, honestly, it just seems like they're, they're, they're taking advantage of mentally ill people to me. Sure does. Something like that. I mean, the argument could be made. She said that, that phalloplasties could bring into the hospital profits of $200,000 per penis. And I don't think you're going to, I don't think you can really call that a penis, but she, she said one damning thing in that thing. She said that, she referenced some other clinic who said that their phalloplasties alone 
fund the entire clinic. That's so fucked. So she what? So what? What I imagine that's supposed to mean, if I'm hearing it, is all we have to do is put fake penises on a bunch of women, and all the other good work that the, that the clinic wants to do will be paid for. Right? We can we can do all we can do so all these good things. All we have to do is sew a fake penis on a bunch of women that we create from skin we remove from their arms and legs. You know? So fucked, man. And I don't know this is gross, but I'll just say I don't know if you heard um one of the th- things that can happen, one of the things that can go wrong because they take the skin off your arm and your leg. One of the things that can go wrong is that the hair follicles continue to grow in your fake penis in your fake penis so you end up with hair that has to be surgically removed from the inside of your fake penis and it causes infection and multiple surgeries and oh my god can you imagine that sounds but it makes money for the hospital kyle i just don't even know what to say about that stunning it's it's a it's a dark day here on the Two Tongues Pod of the Gas when you're talking about. What the fuck, man? And you know what's crazy about that to me is you see the spirit of capitalism the wor- in the worst way coming out of this woman. She's saying we can make all this money. Greed yeah, is yeah. good. But she's the progressive lefty type that would otherwise say capitalism and making money is bad. Yeah. You know? But it's good because it's, you know... I don't know. It's good because subversive. You, because it's she like, she can paint it in this like um, charitable, I guess charitable way. I don't know. Even the language, you know, because how could you say that with a straight face if you weren't able to say top surgery, bottom surgery, vaginoplasty? Those words aren't even English. What does top surgery mean? It's just you're just hiding the gruesome reality of that. Yeah. And then that other video of the other administrator, the old, the older woman, saying that if you had any conscientious objections to it, you, then find some other place to work. Imagine that you're a surgeon, but you're a good, ordinary human being. And you go in to work one day, and it, a fully anesthetized 15-year-old girl's laying there on your surgery table with her, you know... <laughs> With, with Sharpie marker lines around her breasts for you to cut them off. And you can't say, look, man, I did not sign up for this. This does not seem right. I'm, I, when I became a doctor, I took a vow to do no harm, and you're asking me to cut perfectly healthy tits off, <laughs> off of a child. You know? Uh, you can't object to that without, without risking your job? Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Yeah, that's pretty rough, man. Uh, I mean, it's a, like I said, it's a dark day. Uh, but I don't even know what to say about it. It's fucking depressing, man. It's bad. Um, it's bad. It's like I said the other day. It's like if a person walked into a doctor's office and they said, Doc, I just I identify as a quadriplegic and it's just I know that God made a mistake and I was supposed to be a quadriplegic uh, you know 
So I, I want to perform a surgery to like sever my, so however you would have to fucking do it to make a person that. Mm. Um, and if the doctor said no to that, is that like, I mean, what is the difference? Yeah, I don't see much of a difference. I see the same objection, that, you know, to do no harm. I see that, that being a problem. I mean, you can't, you can't do that. I see the doctor in the the quadriplegic. If the doctor says yes and does that, that doctor is a criminal and he needs to go to prison. Well, in my opinion, he's definitely broken that code to do no harm, you know. And yes, you're a criminal and you should go to prison. Yeah, yeah. you might you might have to you might have to do more than go to prison. I don't know. Oh man, it's it's weird, but I I do think extreme examples like that are important to bring up. You know, because sometimes people will say, uh, like, uh, what if I identify as a person with one arm? Yeah. Should a doctor be able to cut off my arm? Um, no. no. That's a real easy fucking answer for Pretty me. Easy, yeah. Um, but, you know, what they've done, they've done this interesting thing when we're talking about do no harm. Because um, if you watch the documentary, uh, What is Woman? We watched we watched that one together. Um, they They make this really clear that... The doctors, the advocates, the activists, I don't know what you want to call them, um, have been trained to say, would you rather have a dead son or a trans daughter? Because so many of these kids commit suicide that if you don't let them transition, you're going to end up with a dead child. And so when, a, when in a doctor's mind, you now, you now have created a paradox, right, where you say, I've taken a vow to do no harm, so I either do the surgery, which is harm, or I don't do the surgery and they commit suicide, which is worse harm. So I have to do some harm to prevent the worse harm. And that is a slippery slope. The moment you compromise, you know, your your morality, you're fucked. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked up, man. I know. You you, you really brought the podcast down dude. <laughs> we were like flying high okay well let's change the subject i got i got something for you i got a topic unless you have a topic i don't i i don't think i have anything i've got zero topics he's coming to the podcast with zero <laughs> contributions um this is stupid but i'll tell you i'm getting older and i'm starting to have things happen to me that didn't used to happen to me and some of it's strange and nobody ever warns you about it by the way one of the things that's happened to me is that I can't eat things that I used to be able to eat. Such as? You know, it's like, there's a whole broad top conversation here. It's like, I used to be a very picky eater. Yeah. Like your brother. I didn't eat much. I, I, there's lots of shit I hated. And uh, I had a very sensitive palate if I, you know. Um, point is, that that changes, right? And you start eating things that you didn't used to eat. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty ex adventurous now. There's still some things that I don't care for, but pretty much I'll eat almost anything. It's at 180 from how I was a kid. Yeah. But then all of a sudden it's like food Food is giving me gas. Mm. It's giving me heartburn. Yeah. It's like keeping me awake, you know? Keeping you awake? Well, like caffeine. Oh, okay. You know? Dude. I, I, if I, if like I have, roast beef was keeping me awake. <laughs> if I have caffeine after like two o'clock in the afternoon, I'll have trouble falling asleep. It's fucking weird. Yeah, I used to drink two liters of surge and go to bed. You know. Yeah, dude. Watch some blockbuster videos. Hell yeah. Play some fucking Sega Genesis and go to bed. Earthworm Jim. <laughs> Echo the Dolphin. 
Oh, Echo. Don't get me started, dude. Sonic the fucking Hedgehog? Mortal Kombat? Are you shitting me? Mortal Kombat, man. You remember when it was Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter on the Super Nintendo? No, I don't remember that at all. I was always a, I don't think that a that's bigger real. fan of Street Fighter. No, not a game. I just mean the competition was Sega had Mortal Kombat oh, and oh, Super oh. Nintendo had Street Fighter. And it was like WWE versus WWF, remember? Because okay. Mortal Kombat was more gory and more like... More like Kind of realistic. Rated R, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Um, I would say... I would say that I probably liked I probably liked Mortal Kombat a little bit more to be honest with you, but I did like Street Fighter a lot. Mortal Kombat was more fun for all the same reasons WWF was more fun than the WCW. Boobs basically. Boobs and blood and like, you know, getting your heart ripped out and shit. That didn't happen to Street Fighter. Yeah, I never saw anybody get their heart ripped out in WWF to be <laughs> to be perfect, you know, if we're being oh, honest. Oh, that's true. That's true. You, but but you but you I have seen thumbtacks and uh, barbed wire get ripped out of people's foreheads. True. You know. True that. I did see somebody put a sock on his hand and shove it in somebody's mouth. Yeah. I did see a big sumo ma- man put his butt on the face of another human being. Yeah. I saw all that in professional wrestling. You know, there's this idea that I have for the podcast where we we can like show video, mm-hmm. um, and I just want to like watch videos that I find on Reddit yeah. with you because I feel like your reactions <laughs> would be pretty good. Listen, I think that's a great idea, and I think that uh, we already have a solution to that problem that Daniel Torden suggested, which is using the streaming app that he uses. And I think that would allow us to do screen share, and we could do exactly that. I think we should try. All right. Yeah, we'll try to make that happen. Cool. We need to, we need to have, like, maybe, like, on a Friday, like we had this past Friday, you could come over, and we have a couple hours where we can tr- fuck around with it. All right. Because that's what we need. We need to just tinker. Tinker and practice, yeah. Practice makes perfect, Kyle. Does it? Most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> um... Things I can't eat, Kyle. Oh, yes. Things you can't eat. What else? So I started getting like intense. This is, you know, this is a little bit weird to talk about publicly, but whatever, man. I We're not in public. I started getting intense gas from eating certain things. And it's like at first it was such a surprise to me. I didn't even know what was happening to me. J9, what's happening to me? What is this? It was gas because I ate broccoli. You know, it's like, what the fuck, man? You can't even eat broccoli anymore? Your body's like, nope, broccoli's out. You can't even be healthy, dude. Yeah. Um, And when I eat, like, carbohydrates. And I've always had trouble with carbohydrates, but if I eat them now, um, I'll get gas. I'll get, like, intense fucking pains. I have gas X pills. I, I have to get fucking... Pharmaceutical relief from this pain. It's it's rough, man. Damn, it, it's painful. Huh? It, it's painful in my gut. It's not like I'm. It's not like I'm burping or farting. It's like all in there, not coming out, making me feel like I'm going. Like I'm going to have a heart attack. Oh damn. Um, it's 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 painful, and it's like having a lead weight in in your stomach, and it's so uncomfortable that you know I can't even. I can't enjoy myself. That's I can't relax. Awful. It's awful. And I take a couple of gas X pills and I feel in 20 minutes, I feel perfectly fine. Crazy. It's like, don't whatever you just ate, never eat it again. You know? So that happens. The sensitivity to caffeine is another thing. Um, and, and if I drink beer, my joints hurt the next day. 
Ooh. My knee, my my fucking, I, I have inflammation from that shit. And I know, I, listen, I know enough about medical science to know that if I wake up, you know, after drinking beer and I have joint pain that I never have, uh, maybe I'm, get, I'm getting the first signs of arthritis or maybe my joints are just inflamed. And I know I have sensitivity to fucking uh, carbohydrates because, you know, you know, that was the number one reason for my um, being fat my whole life was just having a standard American diet. So anyway, all that shit. And um, the broccoli thing, like the vegetables, that, that that's the newest twist in this whole thing. It's yeah. like I can't even try to be healthy. It's like I'm going to have to do a uh, Jordan Peterson carnivore diet or something. Well, that sounds pretty awesome, though. Carnivore diet. If I could just eat like three steaks a day, every <laughs> yeah. day, yeah. that would be fine. That would, would be, be awesome. See, I, I like ground beef a lot. Yeah, ground beef is good. I just eat a bowl of ground beef. And <laughs> I'm with you on just that. Just eat a dude. bowl of ground beef and then for dinner have a steak. Yeah. But ground beef and eggs in the morning, steak in the evening. Like two steaks, though. Three steaks. <laughs> like orange steak. Like, no, one of them cowboy ribeyes. Okay. Have you yeah. seen those I mean, things? As long as it's a big ass steak. Cowboy, a lot of steak. A cowboy ribeye looks like a steak from the fucking Flintstones. If that's all I'm eating. In a day, it's got to be. Oh, yeah. You know. You want a 2,000 calorie steak. I want a big fucking steak. Yeah, man. I get you. I love steak. That's the point of this. <laughs> I love steak, too. Uh, what's your favorite steak? What's my favorite steak? Yeah, cut. Ribeye. Ribeye? I mean. See, I'm, I, uh, I don't like... Gristle and fat on steak, which I know, like most what? most people, roll their eyes, like that's the best part. So I always cut it off and give it to my wife. But when I was a kid, I would cut it off, like my parents would eat it or the dogs would eat it. Um, the first of all, gristle, like chew, 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 and you can't ever swallow it. That's gross. I don't know why you would ever do that. But the type of fat, the type of fat that in the on the right kind of steak just melts in your mouth, like on a ribeye or not a ribeye, but a prime rib. I'm okay with that. I've become okay with that. But if I if I'm chewing on a rubbery, slimy fucking mouthful of jizz, and everyone everyone's telling me that's the best part, I cannot understand. I, can, I it's enough to make me hurl, man. A big mouthful of fat. That's funny, man. Because I love I love it. A lot of people do, man. Rabbi, that's my shit. So I would I would rather get like a like a strip steak, even yeah. though it's way chewier and stuff. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a good New York strip. I mean, I'm not. But if I if I can have whatever I want, most of the time I'm ordering a ribeye. Over a filet mignon? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love the I love the filets. Filets are good. Again, don't get me wrong. If I'm <laughs> if I'm somewhere and there is no ribeye and filet's what they got, and that's what then I'm yeah. you know it's delicious. Yeah. I'm ha- happy to have it. But. A, a filet can be eaten like s- s- way more rare than than you know. It's just delicious, man. I love it. I love. You know what else I love that my wife makes. It's not like anything crazy, but she'll she'll get ahi tuna steaks. It's got to be ahi tuna steaks. The other tuna it can fuck immediately off. If you find the ahi tuna steaks, and you just put a, you just put a little bit of um, you, you salt and pepper on them, obviously, you put a little bit of sesame oil in the pan. This is important. Sesame oil is, is important. Of course, it's like the most flavorful fucking it's substance so, on our. Oh, it's so delicious, man! And you just sear. On both sides, you sear that ahi tuna steak, 
what you're going to get is a couple of centimeters of white on the top and on the bottom, and the middle is just ruby red or or you know, maybe just a, maybe a little bit on the pinkish side. And dude, it's so fucking good. It's it one of the good. best steaks. One of the best steaks, period, of any meat is a fucking fish steak. Um. I don't know if I agree with that. Mm. I said it. I said it on the air. I said what I everyone's said. Everyone's heard it. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Again, I do love. I I love tuna. So good. Um, but I mean, if I'm picking, I'm definitely going with a beef steak. Nine times out of ten, beef over bison. Yeah. I mean, I like bike again. I like bison. <laughs> I like it all, but uh, like a really like high level beef steak, it's it's probably my favorite thing yeah, ever. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. I've never had like elk or anything like that, so I'm sure it's awesome. Yeah, dude. Um, when you order a steak, what temperature do you order it at? Um, um <laughs> I I order it probably medium rare. Okay, yeah, medium rare is good. My wife, um, my wife orders it rare yeah and, yeah and she's always if you, if she go, has it cooked at a restaurant it's always overcooked for her yeah yeah I, that's pretty much my experience too um i order medium rare anymore though um because you know you were talking about the fat on something like a ribeye yeah and i don't i think that sometimes if you order it rare the fat doesn't get cooked enough for it to be as good as it possibly can oh, be oh yeah yeah it needs to be like charred a little bit more um, especially when you have a steak that has a bunch of fat, like a ribeye, I, I I just want the fat to be, I don't know, to be like, like I said, kind of charred. That way it's not just like a, I mean, like a, a mouth of gelatinous fat yeah, or a, a mouthful of gelatinous fat, you know? So when you get a prime rib, because mm-hmm. I know those are cooked differently, obviously, slow, you know. They're, they're cooked slow all day, I think, and then they're just seared on the grill maybe. I don't yeah. know how they work, but um, when I when you get a mouthful of that fat, it literally melts. You don't even you don't have to chew it. It just sort of, as soon as it touches your tongue, it's just like delicious oozing down your throat. Yeah. Um, I like that, man. That's all right. <laughs> Sounds pretty gay. Dude. It does sound gay, <laughs> but, but I, I said what I said anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you, I don't want to, I don't know if, when I was like a teenager and I went on the keto diet, or not the keto, it was the Atkins diet back then as a first low carb uh, phase. Yeah, man. Um, and I used Dr. To, Atkins, yeah. shout out. Shout out, shout out to Dr. Atkins. And I, I went to that restaurant, uh, oh boy, I'm going to struggle to remember. Uh, was Macaroni that, Grill. No, it was that steakhouse that was. Longhorn. No, let me. let me. Texas Roadhouse. No, hold on. Do you, do you remember this? Do you remember when you come over the bridge? Over to on bridge. Bryce Road, yes. Like you go into Matt's old apartment. You're you're in Matt's old apartment. Um, there used to be. Wait, is this is this what? I might be completely misjudging where this place was. I think it was there. It was on the other side of the road. It was just past. It was like there was a uh, like a Home Depot or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was back behind it. Yeah. That steakhouse. I think that I think that was a Texas Roadhouse. It was a roadhouse, but I don't know if it was. It was a roadhouse, but was it Texas Roadhouse? I think it, it might have just been. It might have just been called Roadhouse. <laughs> roadhouse. Roadhouse. Point is, I used to go there and get a prime rib on the, on the day that they had the prime rib on sale. I'd go and get the prime rib, 
and for an appetite with with double broccolis, right? So my two sides would be double broccolis. TBs. And then uh, I would as an appetizer. Listen, and so I had a giant prime rib and two broccolis as an appetizer. No, no, no that was my oh. that was my entree. But in addition to that, uh, for the appetizer, I got these bacon wrapped scallops. I think they were or shrimp. Yeah, bacon, dude. bacon wrapped scallops. Do you remember? I feel like we should have that like rap horn. <laughs> like, that's a, that sounds great. Point is, man, when I was like 19 years old, and I went and I wanted to splurge on a fucking ke- a delicious ketogenic dinner. Yeah. Sometimes I would go to get that, and it was so fucking good. That's one thing that sucks about doing keto um, is that if you really want to like treat yourself, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta spend some money. Oh yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. You do. You, it's like like I said, my ideal dinner for that kind of diet would be like two steaks. You know, that's a lot. You know, you go to fucking what's the what's the place? Longhorn. Yeah. You buy two ribeyes. That's expensive. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But worth it. You said ideal dinner. Now I'm just trying to imagine what that might be for me. There there are certain things that if I try to think of just single foods, like single food items. um, Twinkies. No, no, no. no, Like single like. (laughs) There's a couple things that come to my mind that I love. Eggs are one of them. I fucking love eggs, eggs and they're under great. underappreciated. And broth. Eggs and broth. Eggs and broth, not together. I'm just saying. Oh, those are, oh, those are, those are okay. two things that I fucking love. Like the umami thing. Umami. I love soup so much, man. I love that. I love that. Uh, that uh, mushroom soup you get at the hibachi restaurant. Yeah, love that shit. Whatever that is. So. Oh, oh, I love um, like a good broccoli cheddar like a nice cream soup um my wife makes soup from scratch she'll she'll make like beef uh, broth out of beef bones or i love or, a good french onion soup oh french onion i wasn't even hip to french onion soup till i moved till i moved up here what yeah my, my wife's a huge fan of it Damn first time dude. i had it that i can remember was with her that's one thing about me that i'll say is i've always had a very wide palate like from like day one of being a little kid, I was just like, I will eat, eat whatever, whatever the fuck you put in front of me. Um, yes. I remember one time I went out to lunch with like some of my family from my dad's side of the family from Boston, from like Massachusetts. Um, and I ordered a Reuben and one of my aunts was like, this fucking little kids ordering a Reuben. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, man. When you say that, what comes to my mind is, you uh, eating a tomato when you were a kid, yeah. like an apple, just putting salt on it and eating it like it was an apple. Man, I just love food. When dude. I was a kid, dude, that would have made that would have turned my stomach to take a bite out of a just a just a just a fucking tomato right off the you know right off the vine or something. Just take a bite out of it. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, yuck. I don't know, man. <laughs> we're just uh, you. You you eventually got to basically. I that did. Place, yeah. Though. Yeah. Um, you said that there's stuff that you won't eat. What is that stuff? Like like gelatinous steak fat? Yeah, uh, there's very little that I won't eat now. Gelatinous steak fat is one of them. Man, you kind of caught me off guard. Let me think here. Um, you ever had like a... What's the word I'm looking for? Fish eggs. Oh, caviar. Caviar and roe, I love. Yeah. I've, I've never... I don't think I've ever had it. Well, yeah, I know I have had it at, at sushi places. Yeah, I've only ever had it at sushi places. I don't think I've ever had it like caviar out of a, you know... Out of a can. Out of a can. Um, definitely never had that. Yeah. Be down to try it, though. I heard it's salty. I don't like... Um, 
cooked spinach very much, but I'll eat it. I um, love cooked spinach. Raw, raw spinach, like baby spinach, is fucking delightful. It's, it's the one of the. It's like the my favorite of the green leafy greens. You know, salad salad vehicle. I'm not a huge salad fan. What? I still, I still don't like raw. I don't. I don't like raw onions very much. Oh, man. That's um, my shit. Dude, I've got, I've onions. got. Oh, there's a lot of rules about onions in my mind, man. I've got so many caveats where it's okay. Yeah. There's instances where it's okay. Like, like where um, is it okay for a raw onion to be at? Like a small amount of red onion on a burger or in a salad uh, is nice. That's but, a safe space. But raw white onions are almost never okay as far unless they're cooked. You know, raw well, white yeah, onions—they're not, they're not raw anymore. <laughs> it's like um, too much. It's too much. And, in, and with that, with any onion, with any you said, onion, you said raw white onions are never okay unless they're cooked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I said what I said, and I meant it. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. No, I love I love onions pretty much raw, cooked. Any you know, take a bite. I just I love onions, dude. I've never done that. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it would be a little overwhelming. Yeah. But um, I've definitely. I've definitely cooked meals that had way too many onions in it. Like, dude, you brought up French onion soup. Yeah. My wife made that a few times. Fuck yeah. Do you know how many onions you have to use? Yeah, like a fucking sack. Like a sack. Like a whole (laughs) sack of onions, man. Yeah, man. You got to cut them bitches up. Yeah. Real fine. Yeah, you cook them down and you add flour to it. Like make a roux or whatever it's called. It's like a whole, it's a whole thing. But goddamn, if you do it right, if you do it right. Out of this Nothing world. Nothing better. Out of this world. My wife bought the little, uh, I don't know what they're called, but they're bowls with little handles on them, and they're designed, they're like the kind that you can put in the oven. Yeah. So she put the cheese on top, put them in the oven, you know, brown that shit up. God damn, it's so good. I love food, man. I hate being a fat fuck, but yep. I love food. Yep. Yep, that's true, man. I think that there's something to the idea of removing the foods that you love the best, removing them, killing them. Just say, just say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just fucking murder them all. Like, uh, get it off the planet completely. Yep, like uh, uh, Anakin did to the little, to the little uh, desert people that kidnapped his mother. He killed them all. Just, Remember that? I don't. That's really. what. You, that's what you have to do to the food. I'm not a fucking dork. Listen, there's. I'm serious about this. I think that if you re- if you remove like the two foods you love the most, and it's harder than you think because if because if one of the foods you like the most is like bread or something, then you can't eat bread or you can't eat breading, and then it like it removes so much of the delicious options you have. But I think it's important because it'll help you to not overeat. Is if you remove and it does something psychologically where you re- you remove the food pleasure. Like the most intense part of the spectrum of the food pleasure, you remove that, and after a while, your fucking brain chemistry changes. Seriously, yeah. you know, you if you starve yourself of the food pleasure that you like the most, I think there's nothing but good things. It's like everything in moderation. It's something. There's something true about that. Sacrifice. It's like a religious sacrifice. You got to get rid of the things you love the most. I don't believe you. <laughs> um, no, I think uh, like in my case. Like I said, steak is probably my favorite food, so I should get rid of steak. Do you eat it the most? No. Do you grill steak at home? I do sometimes, although my my grill has been on the fritz, so Uh, I haven't been. You got a giant grill, though. I do have a big-ass grill, um, Mm. but 
I just need to fix it. Seems like you like steak so much, you should fucking start start learning how to cook all the different I know how types. To, yeah, I know how to cook steaks pretty good. You do good good steaks. Um, well, you've been in, you've worked in restaurants. I never yeah, did, man. Yeah. Uh, plus, I, I just like really like cooking. I have fun doing when, it. When when I was working uh, in Columbus, uh, downtown, there was a uh, cafeteria in the office building. You know, it's a pretty decent cafeteria, and there was a day that they would make. Flank steak, I think it was. Oh, yeah. But the lady knew how to make it amazing. So there's a, flank steak is one of the cheaper cuts of steak. You know, people get creative with the cheap shit, and they end up making delicious things out of it. This lady cooked however she cooked it. She, it, was in, it was pre-cut in the slices, you know? And there was like some au jus that she would put on it. at this In this cafeteria, you know, in, the, in downtown, you know, it, it's just unexpected and it was like tender but it was still kind of like perfectly pink in the middle and it was juicy because of the ajou god damn it was so good man sounds very she good. took a cheap cut of steak and made it like one of the best things i ever had that'd be hell yeah be a good thing about being down in mexico too you know a lot of them know how to do that down there yeah and the booties and the booties yep um i mean i guess there are people who know how to do that kind of stuff here there are too. booties here too. There are, um, but those are like uh, you know hillbillies. You know, you might be eating possum, like road possum. I have no problem. Well, not road road possum. I think I have a problem with, but I have no problem at all with the. Like I'm very intrigued by the people that eat turtle stew and yeah. you know squirrels and shit. I I never had a squirrel. I want to actually I eat squirrel. actually I have had a squirrel, but oh, I was really? I, never I was so young I don't remember it. Okay, so my dad was a hunter. When I was a kid, um, rabbit and squirrel and, and fucking Haas and Pfeffer and turtle, turtle soup. I want to try turtle soup, man. Haas and what? Haas and Pfeffer. What's that? Rabbit. Rabbit yeah. soup, I think. I know. I was just joking. Rabbit but, season. Some people might not. So I think we got some listeners in Germany. They probably know what that means. They're probably like, he mispronounced. No, that's my Russian accent. I, I don't know. <laughs> They're just, it's all how do you do it? How do you do a German accent? Um, it's a good question. I really don't know oh, the answer You should to that. know, man. Yeah. You're the one studying German. On Duolingo. Yeah, but I don't. That doesn't translate, you know. Mm. Hassan Pfeffer. Hassan Pfeffer doesn't translate to German. No, no. The I think accent. it does. The oh yeah, the doesn't. accent. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I like what the topic you brought up earlier about um, about um, pe- the people in England having being fo- foreign basically to us, but but sharing a language, and so they have a culture t- totally different from our own. And the fact that they the spell tire with a Y, they do. You I didn't know that tire with a Y, like the tires on your car. You really didn't know? No, that? I didn't know that one. Oh, shit, dude! I thought I was spitting. I know that. I know that they had they had a lot of U's in, in words that they that, Calure. Yeah, that fucking. It's because they got conquered by the French. A bunch of pussies, dude. <laughs> bunch of fucking babies. Uh, anyway, imagine getting beat by the French. Imagine. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, they used to be a power, and you know what? Maybe their day will come again. Again, a hunt, but like a thousand years ago, <laughs> they were wearing wigs and shit, bro. What if like the French rise up again? Yeah. But the center of their power isn't in France. It's in. It's in Montreal. Montreal. And then, and then, and then the whole fucking 
Louisiana, uh, that whole oh, French, French culture rises oh, up fuck. there. And then we have two poles in North America of like French culture and they secede from the United States and Canada become their own fucking Romes, you know? Yeah, here's me not being worried about that. <laughs> fucking French people. Give me a break. I'll tell you what, man. Savat, they're going to come over here with some Savat and like kick me in the head. Yeah, but imagine if an army was full of those gator hunting people from, from Florida. Yeah, dude. Those people are terrifying. They are terrifying. They wrestle alligators and shoot them in the heads with shotguns. They don't fuck yeah. around. I want to be friends with those, those people. Those people hunt dra- real-life dragons every day. Jordan Peterson would be so proud of the swamp I, people. He probably loves that show. He probably <laughs> Jordan Peterson probably loves that show. I wish I did a, a good Jordan Peterson impression so I could like do just, him watching it. Just but. imagining Jordan... Just stoically watching and enjoying, just it's like just, hands like this, just <laughs> hands in front of his face in a praying position, just watching, um, just watching montages of people shooting alligators with shotguns in the head. <laughs> <laughs> just can destroy the dragons, destroy the dragons. He fucking hates dragons, dude. That dude hates <laughs> dragons and messy rooms. Like those are not his uh, things. Fuck, he hates dragons more than anybody I know. Yeah, he hates dragons more than. Damn, I can't think of the saint that slayed the dragon. Saint George? Saint George. Saint George. Yeah. It's uh, Peterson and Saint George. Probably King Arthur, too. I think he hated dragons. Yeah, that guy hated dragons. Did he hate dragons? Was there uh, a dragon in that? It, I don't know. I, no, all I, I could, don't remember. All, all I can think of is Game of Thrones. It was Merlin. He wasn't a dragon, though. He was a wizard, so. Listen, man, the dragon, the dragon thing is interesting because... Jordan Peterson makes a big fuss about it because it the serpent and the dragon has really significant meaning in mythology and all over the world. But what's interesting is the fact that there's stories of dragons all over the world. Yeah. You've got a mythical creature that doesn't really exist. Why are they telling stories about it in China and in England, you know, and in Mexico? Maybe because, and this is not necessarily uh, a theory that I buy into. I'm just trying to give something that someone might say. Um because all over the world we have lizards, you know, like normal size lizards. Yep. And sort of imagine a fucking big imagine one. Imagine a big things. one. <laughs> so that, uh, I think that could be it. Also, we have some big ass lizards. So it's true. That's true. So Jordan, Jordan's preferred explanation is that, well, a couple of things, but we have commonalities in uh, the human psyche that, <laughs> that, that generates similar imagery. Sorry. Big ass lizards. It's just like it's like a good name for a punk band or something. Yeah, it is. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's all right. Just made me laugh. That's all right. But the, the, some of it is uh, the, we have common predators, and a dragon is kind of a hodgepodge of the common predators. So predatory birds like harpy eagles that was come down and grab one of your sheep or one of your children. Flying. Yep. Um, serpents, poisonous snakes, and uh, things that like like cat, big cats. So a lot of times the dragons will have powerful. Uh, claws and paws yeah. and you know they can climb a tree they can they can fly in the sky they can run on the ground so they're they a also co- breathe fire they so. also breathe fire and that's also another predator what animal does that none <laughs> none that's true oh so, fire itself fire is a predator is exactly saying. it sure is is it Got not it. is it not it's a dangerous predator see i was thinking i was thinking you were saying that an animal breathed fire and I was like, I've never seen an animal do that before. <laughs> so it's a hodgepodge, right, of all the common human all predators. All the fucking zoos I've been to. It also represents something common to the human psyche, which Jordan says is chaos. Chaos. It represents the chaos that happens. 
shit happens. Sometimes it gets chaotic. I think that we should both work on doing a Jordan Peterson impression. Oh man, I'm so bad at impressions. We should both do it. Though. You're way better at them than me, so yeah. we should. That should be a contest on the show. All right, all right. I can try. We I just both like try to do. Put some time in. Oh boy. Develop a Jordan Peterson. I'm already. Impression. I'm already embarrassed at the prospect of practicing it. Yeah. I'm embarrassed just thinking of me trying to do it. You're gonna have to do it like when you're like driving places by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um. He he, he kind of has the Kermit the Frog voice, and I don't really know how to do the Kermit the Frog voice. But I yeah. pr- I could probably get some of the cadence down and th- and some of the vocabulary. Down. I could definitely do the vocabulary. I've been thinking about trying to beef up the impressions a little bit. Just for like podcast purposes, you know, like you we could do a, a, an episode where you interview, um, I don't know who's somebody that I would. How about be. this? How about we? How about we interview Daniel Torden? But here are the rules: we have to speak only in British accents, and oh he has goodness. to speak in an American accent. That sounds great. We should do that. <laughs> At least a segment of the podcast. Yeah, I think it's. I think that's hilarious because it'd be funny to hear him try, and it would, and it would totally be funny to hear me me do it because my British accent. Is just a, a whole bunch of clips from different movies that I've seen. Hello, <laughs> um, Harry Potter. You, uh, you know that dude who played Spider Man, the young British bloke who played uh, Spider Man with the hair, with the hair. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was on some kind of a podcast with Mark Wahlberg. Oh shit! And he was talking about why. It's so much easier for British people to pr- pick up um, an American accent versus the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And I forget what exactly he said. I think he said something like uh, the British people use a lot more of their tongue. Like actively they're doing things more with their tongue than American people are. So it's hard for them to pick up. And um, Mark Wahlberg was like, and then uh, <laughs> he was just like kind of shaking his head. And then. That guy, I can't remember his name. Yeah. But um, he said, also, we, like, consume a lot more of your, you know. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Content, whatever. Um, and Mark Wahlberg was like, yeah, I think that, that's probably got more to do with it. <laughs> like, that's, on the podcast, I've alluded to my disdain for the British. Strong word, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I don't... I forget why. Oh yeah, that and that that like feed that like feeds into it perfectly. Like the they're just lazy. They don't do as much with their tongues as we do. You know, not well, that you're steeped in in our culture. You know. Yeah, I can imagine um, a couple of reasons why that that's true. First thing is the, the especially the aristocratic British roll their tongues. You know. Yeah. And we don't do that. You know, but the, but the Spanish do. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like Royalty, you know? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. do that shit. Um, we don't. But then there's also the thing about the the Celtic influence and the accents that are there. Because if you go to Wales or if you go to Ireland and there's somebody speaking one of the Celtic languages, um, and there are several of them there, they sound completely different. And you can tell if you talk to a Scotsman or if you talk to an Irish person uh, who's speaking English. A lot, there are moments where you're like, I don't have any fucking idea what you just said, because the influence of those Celtic languages, it does impact how you pronounce things, and whether that means you use your tongue more, I don't know, but we definitely don't roll our tongues in, in American English. True. 
And I'm sure there's an oral sex joke to be made in there, but I'm just going to let it go. I would be willing to bet that Americans probably throw it down on the, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like chowing down. Yeah. You know? I bet you that Americans are doing it more better. Better. Like if at, there, if there totally was like some kind it. of standard, I feel like we would be compared to the, to the British. Anyways. <laughs> do you think, do you think the French are better at tongue kissing because they invented it? I think that the French are a bunch of slimy ass frogs, bro. And I think that, um, they're not better at anything than listen, the other, the other whites. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny to hear you say that because, uh, um, because so, like if, if Daniel listens to this episode, he's probably going to be like, oh man, Kyle's talking shit about the British. But the moment you do it about the French, he's like, fuck the French. <laughs> Kyle's right. You know, they hate yeah, the French. Um, no, I don't, I don't hate the French. I don't, I don't hate the British either. I don't, I don't cast blankets over any, anyone like that. But if I, you had to, which is the worst culture in Europe? Oh, um, that's a good question. Probably like, um, probably the French. <laughs> I would say probably the ones that don't really belong there. Oh, how's that? <laughs> mm. Well, you know, like this is also something we should ask Daniel or we could ask some, uh, some of our, uh, European friends, uh, what the stereotypes are like because you know there's stereotypes like in the United States of what people are like in West Virginia what they're like in Portland we have certain stereotypes and they must have them in Europe because it's such a relatively small geographical area and you, you, we already know some of them right because because people say that the Mediterranean Europeans they're like beach people and they're lazy you know like Greece, no one works in Greece, you know. And in, in Spain, they have siestas, siestas in the middle of the day. They take naps. That's the impression we get of the Mediterranean Europeans. And then you can contrast that to like the Swe Swedish or something. And we think of them people as homogenous and hardworking. They're like like the Germans. We think about them as like machines. Um, so there's some of that that that. But I just wonder. If you ask somebody from Europe what the stereotypes are like of other people in Europe, because there's a lot of those countries we don't even think about. Like, what what do people think about people in Croatia? Is there is there a stereotype? Is it like like a BFE? Is Croatia BFE? Bumfucked bum Egypt. Yeah. Okay. Do you think you think it's the West Virginia of Eastern Europe? I think that somebody from Paris is probably like Jesus Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably yeah. Jesus. But it's not all that far away for them. I don't know, man. Yeah, Maybe I it is. Throw a football to Croatia. For yeah, Paris, for know? sure. And not not a not a European football either. An American the good football. old fashioned American pigskin pig football. Yeah. Get out of here with your French bullshit. Yeah, what we did is we took a soccer ball and we squeezed it so hard with our American with our mighty American muscles yeah, that, the, that the ends of it just fucking puckered out, and that's how we that's how football was invented. Yeah, dude. America, <laughs> America, fuck yeah. Oh boy, but I, I, I that does interest me. I, I am curious about that. I like accents. I like I like food, different types of food, culture, and music, and the traditional clothes and like the fairy tales. I love that shit. Yeah, love it. I want to learn it all. Yeah, I uh, I'm interested in British culture too. But uh, my my main gripe with the the Brits is the uh, and it's kind of a similar gripe to a lot of European people is this like. We're better than Americans. We know better. 
we we've been around longer, which is fucking a stupid fucking attitude to have. What does that even mean? Yeah, it's like you're thirty, bitch. You haven't been around any longer than me. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, you know, like that kind of stuff drives me crazy. Uh, uh, I I don't think like the notion that Americans are like backwards is stupid and laughable, and I don't understand why we act like that. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah, that that happens more on the left than the right you know in this country um it's like the fat dumb american stereotype that's it's so funny how you're right that's a common trope in other parts of the world that americans are rude and fat and uh what else um Uh, stupid stupid, yeah Yeah, exactly unsophisticated yeah yeah unsophisticated and um yet those same countries in europe are eating up our culture like it's you know, like it's going out of style. Yeah. They love our movies. They love our music. They love our clothes, but they hate us. Yeah. Or not hate, but they, Oh, I think that you could say that on some, in some cases. Yeah. And I, I just wonder, like, I, I think Europe is more, I want to say liberal, but it's not really true anymore. I think that, uh, that Europe is more progressive than America. Yeah. And so, and it's filled with people that think that way. Um, even the conservative people are more liberal there than they are here, more progressive, or whatever you want to call it. We have the, the same group of people here. They just only make up part of our population. So they they are self-hating Americans, and they use the same tropes as the liberals in Europe. I just think there's more of them like as a percentage of the population. You know? The same in Canada. I don't... I, you know what? This is a good, this is a good uh, transition to talk about. Um... Canada and Europe have been uh, pol- politically oh. far more far more progressive and um, yeah, gay exactly <laughs> than we've been in the United States. And uh, there's some evidence that that's starting to change because of obviously the um, inflation and the economic um, and supply chain issues that we're dealing with. Like pe- people have to start taking that seriously at some point, and the liberals aren't the ones to, to take that seriously. They just they could be, I suppose, but they aren't. We need the conservatives to come in and say, "Pump the brakes. We gotta. We have to. Uh, we have a real problem here. You know, the lefties just seem to want to want to continue on carrying carrying on like like everything's fine while the while the world is burning. You know. So there's two things I saw recently that are on along these lines. The first one is the lady that took over for Boris Johnson in the UK. Mm-hmm. Truss, Tress. I can't think of her name. Yeah, Liz Truss. Truss. Yeah. Um. So she her. Um, platform right now is to produce oil domestically to get their nuclear nuclear plants going so, yeah. so that they won't rely as much on um, you know other foreign powers in Europe and she's she's wanting to lower taxes okay so, so that's a hugely obviously hugely even in, in an American perspective conservative approach and as a libertarian type I, I think those are probably good things to be doing right now. Yeah, but what um, else is she doing? Good question. Okay, I thought you. Were, I, I thought it was coming. No, no. I just think it's. I, think, I just think it's a bright sign. That yeah, that's. I agree. Happening, and that, and that it's people aren't pushing back because the circumstances are such that they really can't. That and then there's another one that I saw, which is that Italy is getting ready to have presidential elections prime, prime minister president i don't remember and the lady that is uh the conservative party leader is likely to win 
and they said she will be the first conservative president since Mussolini. Damn. That's the last time they had a conservative in office. That's insane. It's insane. But I don't know, man. Um, it sounds like good news to me. And if they're successful, if they're not successful, they're going to be blamed extra hard for, because they're conservatives. But if they are successful, I think that might be a tide-turning sort of thing. Because how can you not copy it if it's working? Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Thoughts and opinions, Kyle? Um, it's very interesting. Um, I think... Wait, what were the countries again? Italy and the UK. Italy, that's mm-hmm. what I thought it yeah. was. Um, I, I think that... Um, I just wonder if... The thing that everyone is afraid of, you know, like the the fascists, like the legitimate fascists. I just wonder if this any like will any of this give rise to that sort of thing. So i I think that I think that it, they're already fascists. Oh yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think that the world that's afraid of fascism is looking over their right shoulder for it. And they're not seeing the fascist monster that's right, right on their, their left. Stupid fucking faces. Sitting on their faces. Sitting yeah. on their faces. Yeah. The left has become fascist. It's very strange, man. It's very strange because they maintain this paradoxical value system where because they're the compassionate ones and because they know what's best, they can be totalitarian. It's fucking weird, man. It's yeah. like we're going to criticize it on human rights grounds if it comes from anybody else. But as soon as we're allowed to do it, we're going we're gonna to do it because it's the most efficient way and because we're all saints and we can do no wrong. Yeah. It's like we're going to criticize it on human <coughs> rights grounds whenever anyone else does it. But when we do it, we're doing it for human rights grounds. So, exactly. Exactly. You know. It's, 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 it's maniacal arrogance, man. And the, th- the thing about the, um, the flip-flopping that nobody notices or cares about anymore is the most disturbing part. It's like you can't be for it and against it at the same time and they're just... They just get to be. It's weird. It is weird. What do you think is going to happen in this country with the presidential election? Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I'm not one of these people who is 100% certain that the last election was on the up and up, you know? Yep, yep. So. Well, there are definitely questions, and I'm not satisfied either. Yeah, and I, I just don't. I feel like if anybody comes along and chooses to run who is like somebody that I would like, mm. they're not going to let that guy win. That's a very, very sad fear to have, but it's justified. I, I completely understand what you mean. Like the, 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 the types of things that I would value in a political leader are not the qualities that the people in power now would want coming up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what would those qualities be? Top, top two or three. Mainly just like, um, wanting to come in and like clean house, you know? Yeah. Just, um, to, to get power than to take, to seize more power, you know, and then continue to do that until you have, power like actual power like the left has now mm-hmm. um and then then we'll be good you know yeah well <laughs> i mean it's a it's a start anyways do you think 
that Donald Trump will have his hat in the ring on the Republican ticket? Yeah. Do you think DeSantis will? Yeah. Do you think those are the top two? Do you think those are the front runners on the Republican side? Do you think for sure? So who do you think wins in the in the primary between Trump and DeSantis to represent the Republicans? If I was Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, I would negotiate, you know, in private before the debates even started that we're not really going to snipe at each other. We're not going to like do what we're going to do to everyone else, you know, make them look stupid. Um, we're not really going to do that to each other. Um, and that's what, that's what I, I think would be the best strategy. Yeah. Uh, and then like potentially they could run together. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine you that is a possibility. I doesn't, I don't know how likely it is that they'd run together, but imagine how unexpected it would be if the Trump DeSantis ticket was the DeSantis Trump ticket. That'd be crazy. And Trump comes in as the vice president. Nobody would ever, the left would not know what to do Trump would about never that. do that. Well, that's true. That's, it would be equally unexpected from, from, yeah. from that perspective. Um, I feel like it's more likely that Ron DeSantis would do that because he, hey, he's a young man. Like, you know, he's not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's one, he's one, he's one four year presidential cycle away from being president if he comes in yeah. as vice president under Trump. But which is why I think, I, I, I personally, if you're asking me which one I would vote for, I would probably go with DeSantis, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm thinking there's lots of good reasons to do that. Um, is there anybody else uh, popular enough, visible enough on the right that you think will be a contender? So mm-hmm. let's switch over to the left. Nope. Then. Do you think Biden will will be in the mix uh, this next time, or, or do you think he'll step away? I don't know. I... Could easily see either, to be honest with you. Can Kamala Harris run no. in the primary against Biden? Oh, oh, yeah, probably. But I was going to say, could she run? No, she's not. Nobody likes her. I mean, if they let her run, that would be the worst. Unless they're just going to cheat, in which case, you know, if, you if, know, run fucking whoever you want. Run Epstein's ghost. <laughs> So usually if the sitting president uh, represents, you know, the Democrats, if the sitting president runs again, usually they don't they don't want to compete with that. Usually they want to they want to allow the popularity and momentum to continue. Um, But if he steps away, then we could have like um, 15 people again, uh, you know, in the primaries that are all talking shit about each other, all Democrats and trying trying to figure out who who the, the next person's going to be. Yeah. You know what I would like to see? Um, Rand Paul make a good, a good show. Oh yeah. That'd be good. Rand Paul's the man. I mean, you know, he's, uh, he's not Ron, but right. he is Rand and that's pretty he good. Is Rand. Yeah. It's pretty fucking good, man. He's probably the best Senator in the history of the United States. I mean, how about a DeSantis Paul ticket? I mean, I would take it. How about a, how about a DeSantis, um, um, shit, I can't ever think of her name. Um, the Democrat, the young Democrat lady that got fucked. Got fucked? She got fucked in the last presidential election. Um, what? Yeah, the fucking, 
The one that the one that was that was a. Uh, that was giving Kamala Harris uh, the business during the primaries. Oh, Tulsi. Tulsi, yeah. Can you imagine a DeSantis Ga- Tulsi Gabbard ticket? Republican no. Democrats coming together Maybe. to make a purple party of the future. No, I don't like that. Maybe I do. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Yeah. Only if the purple party remains a third party and not and not assumes the other two, because that's just fucking dangerous. Can you imagine if, they, if there was not not even a facade of a difference between the Republicans and Democrats anymore? Yeah, so just, just like, like let's we, join forces by our powers combined. We are the. What that's, a, what, that's what Andrew Yang's trying to do. Yeah. Fucking what, Andrew. What, I don't like that dude. What animal would we use for the Purple Party? In between a Barney. Don, donkey and Barney a Barney. The Barney, yeah, the purple. Yeah, I like Fucking it. Fucking a dude. An eggplant, maybe. <laughs> the eggplant emoji. Yeah, exactly. That's perfect. That's, perfect. That would be what we should use. Problem sure. solved. Problem solved. Like it's that's perfect. It's got. It's purple. It's got like connotations. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. The eggplant. Yeah, then the then the you can tell the um the elephants and the donkeys to eat that fucking eggplant. Just eat an eggplant. And but everyone knows what you really mean. Eat an eggplant, baby. I mean suck a dick. Hey. It's I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh what else, buddy? Um I don't know, man. I did have something else, but I can't remember it. You know, that happens. I do think we need to ask Daniel if he'll do a podcast with us where he tries to do an American accent and we try to do English accents. Yeah. Um, also, I like the idea of um, of you showing those video clips to me and then getting my... I think it's probably you're, in your mind it's funnier than it's actually going to be, but I'm willing to give that a try. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a good time. I don't know... I don't know what my inspections for in what are the, your inspections the or your expectations. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. I'm remember, remember when you were making fun of me my for inspectations? Yeah. Inspect. Oh, coin so. that shit. Inspectations. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's that could work for your. You could you could probably make inspectations work. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude, you can have that one. If I was a <laughs> Democrat, I, if I was a Democrat, I could totally make a, make that word work. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're the word inventors, you know. They are the um, but. What what were we just talking about? Inspectation. But what did I have expectations of? About my watching those videos, my reaction. Oh yeah, no, I don't know what my expectations are. To be perfectly honest with you, Um, but I think that I will enjoy it, regardless of what your reaction is. I think I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, and then the rest of you guys don't really matter because Kyle's going to enjoy it. No, I think that's that's. I I think that they'll probably enjoy it. (laughs) To be perfectly honest with you, I think it's worth a try. Yeah, I remember. I don't think we did it on the podcast, but Kyle showed me a video of a confrontation between two guys, and one of these guys had a shotgun. Oh and, yeah! And he and the other guy put his arms up, like, "What are you gonna do?" And the dude, <laughs> the dude shot half of his arm off, and it was terrifying. You should see the look at Chris's eye right now. It was terrifying. It was, it was, it happened so quick. It was so dramatic, and it was no blood. And, it, and this guy, the bottom of this guy's arm just disappeared. And he, you should have seen his re- reaction. He was stunned. Yeah. He was stunned. And so was I. I see videos all the time that I'm like, I wish that I could show Chris this. <laughs> um, like the other day I saw this video. And I wouldn't necessarily show you this one. Um, but I saw this video of this guy. I think it was in China. There were like Chinese letters. Must have been China. The, you know. Um, and judging by what happened, I know they don't have the biggest safety standards over there. This guy sleeve got caught in a lathe 
Mm. And he just got fucking lathed. Lathed. He just got just, cut he up. He just got like like spun. Oh no. Into pieces. Oh no. Yeah, dude. How big was this lathe? A big industrial. A big old industrial Chinese industrial lathe. Oh my god. And like literally like pieces. Do you like think- just flung about the uh I don't know what it was. Whatever kind of factory. Do you think the factory shut down while they cleaned it up? No, probably not. Just that machine got shut down. Yeah. And people came and cleaned it up? Yeah, probably. Got Took his teeth out of the gears. That is fucked up, man. Fucked up, dude. Golly. Saw another video that I wanted to show you. It's these two British dudes. And they're in some kind of confrontation. And... One of them is being like very loud and boisterous and like, uh, you know, get the f- fuck away from me, you know, or yep. not get the fuck away from me, but like kind of instigating, you know. Yeah. And the other guy's being pretty quiet and he's like, just leave me alone. And eventually he, the, the quieter guy like puts his arm out and is just like preventing the guy from getting in his face. And uh, the other guy just won't stop. And the guy just punches him, like cracks him in the face and just knocks him out with one punch. I I think I might have seen this. Really, video. was this one? It was a guy at his front door. No, and his was, kid was with him. No, no, this is in like a, uh, a a business of some sort, like a restaurant, a fast food joint, something like that. Uh, the one I saw, I think, was at at the guy's front door, and the guy was accosting him, uh, getting in his face, and he, he had a child with him, and uh, the guy was. Playing it cool, trying to de-escalate the situation, but the guy that was at, that was in front of the house w- wouldn't wasn't going for it. Yeah. And finally, the unassuming father at home with his kid punches this dude in the face and lays him out in one punch. And as soon as he does that, you can just see the like animal come out at him because he was like this perfectly professional, you know, trying to be courteous guy. And as soon as he punches this guy out, he's he just starts yelling at him out on the ground and like going yeah, off. Okay. And it was awesome. It was awesome. awesome. Yeah, gotta love the British man. No, I don't know about all that. I think uh, <laughs> I think that the British are a Jungian experiment because uh, you know because of their culture of politeness. You might say um, they bury down all those uh, all those violent. Uh, Thoughts and urges to be polite, you know, to get to get along. Yeah. And um, Young says, you know, when you repress those things, that they come out in unexpected ways. So that's why that's what I mean. And you know, the, the British being kind of a Jungian experiment in repression. I heard uh, Owen Benjamin. He was talking about why British people today, and even over into like you know, br- you know, people who are Anglo-Saxon descended Americans. There's a high level of, like, uh, agreeableness and, you know, uh, respect of authority, things like that. And a lot of that is, uh, according to Owen Benjamin, anyways, linked back to how brutal the punishments used to be for things amongst those societies, you know? It's like they did not fuck around. If you got caught slipping, they would, like, you know, fuck you up, you know, cut your hands off, kill you, you know? Yeah. Um, Put your eyes out. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, we, you know, so over time that, that forms a society, that oh, forms a culture. That's interesting, man. Yeah. Uh, speaking of interesting, this is unrelated, but I was listening to Jordan Peterson talking to a politician from uh, Quebec. Yeah. And uh, the guy's got like a terrific French accent, like a George St. Pierre type accent. Yeah. Um, but they kept using these words. 
because the Quebecois is what they're called, the Quebecois, they um, they have they don't you know they're not part of the same culture as the English part of um, Canada, right? They they it's important to them to keep their French culture. It always has been, and it's kind of a a point of division culturally between the English people there and the French people there because they haven't integrated, you know, and the the Quebecois they talk about their French. Um, culture, their heritage that they're proud of, um, they, ta- they talk about it as though it's the language. And so rather than saying French, they say francophone and anglophone, the French speakers and the English speakers. And that's how, they, that's how it's divided in their minds. It's not, about, it's not about them being French. It's about them being French speakers. Mm. And what they're, trying to, what they're trying to preserve is the French language. You know? Yeah. It's interesting because I... I mean, you can understand, well, you can, first of all, you can understand why the English and the French don't like each other because they don't, and they haven't for a very, very long time. Yeah. But And why they might not mix together well, you know, trying to live in the same country. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that their focus was on the, the language and that they even, when they're, when they're even talking about it, they don't say French, but francophones, French, yeah. French speakers. Yeah, that, that was interesting, interesting, man. That is pretty interesting. It's another one of those things, man. It's like... Discrimination exists all over the place, and it's one of those other cultural things that are just as interesting. Yeah, it's like, you know, we discriminate here, you guys do it there in a different way, and that's interesting. How long until society, the way things are going, how long until we make it like not okay that these francophones, uh, you know, like value that? Like, no, 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 you can't, you can't be proud of this language, you mm. know. That's a good question. Because that shit's coming if if things keep going the way they do. You know, as as Canada is maybe woker than the United States as far yeah. as those as far as that goes, so that's an interesting question, especially there, because not not all that long ago the the Quebecois were talking about seceding. They wanted to be their own country. You know, they should have man, F- French motherfuckers. <laughs> Always, always getting involved in revolutions, yeah, you know, and eating snails, eating snails, uh, surrendering, surrendering. Um, boy, do you know what the? F- Ooh, this is a terrible question to ask really, an American. I don't really have anything against French people, just to be honest, except for the superiority over Americans thing. But I'm sorry, go ahead. What, what's the French flag look like? Uh, it's like red, white, and blue. It's I. It's oh, some right. combination of um, horizontal bars, red, white, and blue. Yeah, that's like thirty percent of the European countries. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like I think the Russian flag. Oh no, no, no. Maybe France might be vertical bars. I I can't remember, but it's some combination of red, white, and blue. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have a, a segment of the show called Ask an American, where where we stumble through questions like I think that I I think that you and I would be a better representation than most Americans to be perfectly yeah, honest with you probably so but you know but we're not Jeopardy level uh, speak for yourself motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> alright I think that's about enough man you got anything else no not really uh, alright guys well we love you adios well there you have it that's one avenue explored but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know, it's not easy work. 
thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.